He Hears You. Episode 5, Smoke Alarm. I've always had dreams, even when once I couldn't remember them. I was seven, I think. That was the first dream I ever remembered. I fell asleep in my basement on a couch my family had found at a garage sale, and all the lights were out. That last part sounds obvious, but it's not, or at least it wasn't for me, as I was your typical, ordinary child who was almost always afraid of the dark. I couldn't linger in any room as soon as I flipped the switch, and yet that afternoon I did. I laid down in the darkness and let it wash over me like crashing waves that had no regard for the shore, and I closed my eyes even though part of me never thought that was something I'd be brave enough to do. Don't ask me how I ever slept, either. We all know how that kind of thing works when we're kids. No matter how afraid we are, Sooner or later, the exhaustion becomes too much, and we're just not there anymore. Maybe that's what happened that afternoon in the basement. Maybe it was just too much, and I'd given up before I even knew what was happening. It was a long time ago, the sort of long time that seems like it might have been someone else's life, so there's no way to know for sure why things turned out the way they did. Knowledge can't change anything. Not like that. No matter what, an autopsy is only ever going to be an examination of what's gone. I was standing somewhere. It might have been a long hallway, or perhaps the sort of warrior's hall that's common in any sort of medieval book or film that features roaring fires and men drinking beer from giant mugs. It might be that it was the latter, the more I think about it that would fit with the chair I saw, and how looming it was in the distance of that giant space, sitting before a fire that spread red light through the room. Its back was to me, and whoever sat in it was hidden from view. I don't know if I walked towards it. I might have, I might have, because even in that dream I was still a child, and I felt alone and afraid in that place I shouldn't have been, but I'm not sure. It might have been that the whole room shrank, and as large as it felt, and as far away as I was, suddenly it wasn't, and neither was I. Where I'd been, so far away and staring at that strange chair, was gone. Suddenly I was looking up at its wooden frame, so close that I could touch it had I enough courage to go down that road. I think I almost did. I really do. My memory of that moment is fragmented, but I'd always been a curious kid. Sometimes that curiosity overrode the fear I almost always felt. Even if that moment found me in a strange place where flames licked red the walls that rose like skyscrapers. None of that matters, though. Not really, because I never did reach out and touch the chair. I never overcame my fears and that dream I shouldn't have been having. 
I was standing exactly where I had been, with my hands at my sides, looking up at something I didn't understand. And then, that chair started to turn. It looked like one of Tolkien's mountains, a monolith in the eyes of a child, and whatever I saw when it spun fully around scared me so badly that I woke from my dream in a sweat that soaked through my shirt and the couch cushions beneath me. I have no idea what I saw sitting in that chair. It could have been anything, as I had often been afraid of my own shadow, but I don't think it was. It felt like something so much worse than it should have been. For all the time I've spent thinking about it, I'm glad I haven't come any closer to figuring out who I saw sitting so comfortably as if they'd been waiting for me all along. My mother said it had just been a dream, a nightmare born from staying up just a bit too late and seeing flashes of an X-Files episode that had been meant only for her. And I did used to believe her. But life is long, and if it goes on for just long enough, other things will always tend to happen. I had other dreams over the years. Some I embellished like fishing stories because they were better that way, and it helped me feel like I was figuring out what the hidden parts of me were trying to say. I imagine it's like writing a song after a breakup, when you're just trying to figure out what happened to the love that's gone and process it in a way that's healthier than drinking yourself to death. That's what I was doing. I was, I was writing songs. So when I had simple dreams over the years, even the ones that became nightmares, I talked about them as if they were just a little bit more. Now that I look back on it, it was probably just to make myself feel important. Who doesn't want to be a little bit special, especially at that age when those kinds of things matter? That went away, as all things do, of course. Sooner or later, you're just the weird person who says untrue things, and that carries with it a stigma that no one really wants. So even though the dreams kept coming, eventually the retelling stopped. And they did, don't get me wrong. Over the years, as my experiences in life grew and I felt pain and loss, the large rooms became larger and the flames burned with a heat I can't really describe. And no matter how many dreams I had or how different they were, in those moments I always felt like I was in that hall, waiting for the chair to turn around. But things changed last year, and uh, suddenly nothing was the same. Do you know the feeling you get when you wake up in the middle of the night and everything you might have dreamt about is still floating in the air around you? That split second when you know you're awake and yet you're almost certain you've brought some of those sleeping things with you into a place they shouldn't be. That started to happen to me. At first they were moments. At first I'd hear the voices from my dream in my bedroom, in the darkness around my bed. Then as the months went on and the dreams got stranger, even as they remained half-remembered, I found that they were seeping further and further out into the day. I'd be working in an empty house and hear the shadows speaking as they had when I slept. I'd see them slip through doorways in the corner of my eye. And sometimes 
I would hear them scratching at the walls as if they were stuck somewhere they weren't supposed to be and trying desperately to escape. It finally came to a head seven months ago and it makes sense, I guess. Everything has its limits. I'd always thought about getting professional help, either seeing someone or getting medicated the worst things got, but I never got around to it. I'd never been raised to think of things through a prescription drug lens, but I regret that now. I wish I'd had it in me to admit that something was wrong, but sometimes we wait just one day too long for things to change. And that night, when I woke from a dream to the sound of a party going on somewhere down the hall of my apartment complex, I knew it had somehow happened to me. Deep down in the pit of my stomach, I knew I was the little boy I'd always been, and I wasn't alone anymore. I remember it like it was yesterday, and you have no idea how cruel that is. You can't possibly know what it's like to wake up every morning wishing you could put distance between yourself and a truth you didn't want to discover, only to find that you can't. It's hell, really. It's punishment, and there's a religious side of me that wonders if I've somehow brought this upon myself. I was raised Catholic, you know. I don't think anything I'm describing falls into that realm, or at least they never taught it in catechism classes, but I almost wish they had. Even though I've tried to leave that belief far behind, at least I'd understand where it was coming from. Maybe the cards were just dealt against me from the very beginning. Maybe there was a devil in that chair that turned around, and I never had a chance to make things right. That would mean I'm damned, but at least it would make sense. A cold comfort, but a comfort nonetheless, one warmed by an eternal heat. The sound that woke me was a pounding on a door. It wasn't spectral or some nightmare thing, but a drunk from a couple apartments down the hall who'd mistaken my place for his. I didn't open the door, I'm not that kind of neighbor. Instead, I watched through the peephole until he appeared to blink his way to clarity and slowly stumbled out of view. I stayed at the door for several minutes, keeping diligent lookout even though I'm not a confrontational man, and it was only when the desperate pounding began anew on a different door that I turned away with the intention of somehow getting back to sleep. It wouldn't be easy, as the sound of the distant party was creeping its way through every bit of drywall and cheap imitation wood, but I didn't have to work in the morning, so it'd work out well enough. That's not what happened, though. As ordinary as everything right up until that moment had felt, I stopped short of my bedroom door and lowered myself down into the small love seat that sat across from it. I'm sure I breathed, I had to have breathed because I'm not a well man, but that's the only part I can't remember. In that moment, everything in the world seemed like it had gone so terribly wrong. The funny thing is, I, I was just a man on a couch in the middle of the night. Sure, there was a party going on down the hall. Sure, someone had tried to get into my apartment, a side effect of one too many beers, but... Everything else about that night felt so ordinary right up until the moment that it didn't. It was as if a light switch had been flipped, 
and every dream that had been holding on to me suddenly let go. See, there was someone standing in my bedroom doorway. They had their back to me, and in an open space lit only by the blue screen of a television on standby, the shadows flickered across their back just as much as the light. I almost wondered if someone had made it inside, if the drunk had been following a woman and somehow I'd missed them in the dark like two ships passing in the night, but that didn't fit. None, none of it fit, and there was no explaining why she stood so still, so terribly still, and why I felt too afraid to move or speak or breathe. So I sat there perfectly still in the flickering blue light of a screen, and I waited for the nightmare to end. I just wanted to wake up on the couch, soaked in sweat, just like I had been as a boy, but I didn't. There was no sound to shake me from my sleep because I was wide awake, and my eyes were locked on the figure until she slowly walked into the bedroom and disappeared into the darkness. I don't know why I followed her. I... I didn't want to. I, I really didn't want to. But I didn't know how else I was supposed to wake up from a dream when I was no longer asleep. There was no light in the bedroom. The sun is dead in every night. But there was just enough blue glow filtering in from the television that it cast six shadows on the bedroom wall. Mine and those of the others who stood lined up in a row with their backs to the light and me. I hadn't recognized the woman, and still didn't, even though her clothes had burned ashen black. But I knew the other four. They had my parents' hair and wore the clothes my siblings had worn in a family picture taken when we were children. Oddly enough, they wore the same shirts and pants, even though they were now far too small too tattered and torn, and seemed to be darkened by age or blackened by a fire I couldn't smell. It was a strange thing to see your family in a place a part of you knew they weren't. My brother lived on the west coast, having moved a bit south of San Diego just last year. I hadn't spoken to my sister in a couple months, but I couldn't imagine her being anywhere other than the new home she'd just moved into with her husband and their first child. They all had better places to be, and yet they were in my apartment, in the dark, and with a woman I didn't know and couldn't imagine they did. Then again, they'd always been more social than me. They'd always had more friends. Maybe they'd met at a gathering I hadn't attended. Maybe she was a waitress who'd waited at her table. I stood standing in the doorway watching the people who shouldn't be there and I wondered what I was missing. It's strange how fear can creep up on you, how the deepening sense of a nightmare can grab hold of you when you aren't asleep. I felt it coming, and it hit like a tidal wave, crashing down over me with a suffocating force that threatened to drown me where I stood. You know that feeling? The one you get when you get a sore throat? That moment, you seem to have forgotten what it was like to ever swallow without pain. Drowning in my bedroom felt something like that, except there was no sore throat and there were no watery waves. 
Instead, it was just that crushing wall of fear ushered in by my family and the woman I didn't know. It was just a nightmare, of course. It had to be. It was something I would talk about to a therapist one day, and he'd say there was nothing to worry about, that I was just resolving a trauma I hadn't known had occurred. It would be something that simple, and I'd never have to think about it again. I turned to walk back into the living room, determined to find comfort and distraction in a television show or a favorite movie, only to find that the door was now closed and I was in a darkness lit only by moonbeams that slipped through the blinds above my bed. When I turned back to the people that weren't there, in a nightmare that wasn't happening because I was fully awake, they still stood with their back to me, still in a tight and even row, but they were closer now and had closed the distance between us by half. One of the first nightmares I ever had was courtesy of a Twilight Zone episode where a man sees a gremlin on the wing of his plane. For most of that episode, he sits behind a shuttered window, too afraid to open the shade. When he finally does, with gun in hand, desperate to confront his fear, he sees the face of the creature smashed up against the window. I felt a bit like that. I don't know why I didn't want them to turn around. I knew them well enough, but it was one of those things you just know. They stood with their back to me for a reason, and there are reasons for everything, even if we don't know them at the time. So in the darkness of my room, and standing so close to the people I might not actually know, I resisted the urge for as long as I could. But the door, the door behind me remained closed, and there was nowhere else to go. When I stepped forward, I didn't move toward my family members. I was seized by an unmistakable feeling that whatever was hidden wasn't anything I wanted to see. Instead, I, I felt some strange safety in reaching out to the only impossible person I didn't recognize, even if she'd led me there. Even if she was the eye of the storm that wasn't happening and every bit of everything I didn't understand. I... I once... I once touched a stovetop when I was a child, not knowing my mother had just made oatmeal to start the day. The, the woman felt something like that, and I had no idea there was such a thing as dreams that could make you feel pain and agony. I wished then that I had run away, even though there was nowhere to go. I wished, more than anything, she wouldn't turn around, but she did. Of course she did. I still didn't recognize her, but I don't know how I was supposed to. Her eyes weren't there, replaced by black caves leaking smoke. Her skin was drawn tight like the skin of a turkey that had been left in the oven too long, and her mouth hung open and slightly off to one side as if she was a cow chewing grass. If she was breathing, I couldn't tell, but from her open mouth came a pouring smoke like a chimney or a raging forest fire, and then, just once, came the blaring of a smoke alarm. And, and I say just once, but that's not quite right. I, I swear it's not, because even though it rang out with its unmistakable sound and did so just once, it didn't stop. 
as much as I wished it would. It just went on and on and on. With my family standing so very close, I, I couldn't look away from the woman I didn't know and the pouring smoke rolling from her mouth like an unstoppable fog. And that's that sound, that, that hideous sound, it kept ringing in my ears, that deafening blare, and it wouldn't stop. I must have started screaming at some point, but it didn't help. It didn't scare them away, and all I could taste in my mouth was the smoke of a fire that had died. All I could hear was the smoke alarm that could have been a scream. And all I knew was that I wasn't alone even though I wished I was. I don't know how long it lasted. I, I just know that it eventually stopped and I found myself sitting in the middle of my living room floor as if I'd never left. I don't remember leaving. I don't remember opening the bedroom door and finding a way out, but I must have. No matter what, I must have made it out. And I know what you're saying. Right now, as you're reading this, you're smiling sadly and shaking your head, wondering why I'm writing about such silly, silly things. You'll tell your friends about it, how someone on the internet is talking about his nightmares as if they're real, and maybe you'll laugh. You'll be sitting in a crowded bar, wondering how I could ever be so afraid of things that never happened, and more than anything, I'll want to believe you're right. More than anything else in the world, I'll want it to be a simple dream about things I don't understand. But there is a pitch black handprint on my bedroom door, and I can no longer taste my food. No matter how much seasoning I put in it, everything just tastes like smoke. There's no flavor to anything anymore, and the stain in the door won't come out, and my landlord says I'll have to pay for a new one. He says I've managed to ruin the wood. He says it's a miracle I didn't start a fire. And that sound, that, that awful, awful sound. Ever since that night, there's been a ringing in my ears. My doctor says it could be tinnitus. He says I might be losing my hearing, but I know that sound. I, I know it even though no one will ever believe me because nightmares are just nightmares and what happens in our sleep stays in the shadows of the night. That doesn't change what happened though. It doesn't change what's happening still. There are smoke alarms that won't stop ringing and there are dead fires pouring from her mouth. I, I wish the ringing would stop. I wish I could wake up, but I am awake. I am awake and the sun is shining. There's daylight all around me, but none of that matters. Oh, all I have left is the ring in my ears. And there's a smoke alarm in the distance and it just won't stop.